Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. When I was young, I grew up on the outskirts of a small town in the Midwest, close to the Great Lakes. The town had a population of about 8,000 at the time and was established in 1833. We lived well outside of town in an area that was mostly either forest or farmland. There was a small trailer park fairly close on the other side of the railroad tracks, built on a sort of raised mound, so high that you couldn't even see the trailer park from the second floor of our house. But to give you an idea of just how remote we were... The half of a mile stretch in the other direction only had three other houses total, and only on one side of the road as well. After that, there was a two and a half stretch of pretty much nothing but trees or crops before you reached the town proper. At that time, I would have called the farmhouse that we lived in a mansion, but I was very small. We lived there for about five years, moving in at about the time that I just entered kindergarten, In retrospect and looking at it on Google Street View now, it was a fairly small farmhouse, probably built in the early 1900s. While this isn't directly related to the events that I'll later tell you, it occurs to me that it might be relevant, so I'm going to include it. 
so we owned six acres of land and even then I knew I was fortunate to have so much room to explore and play in. The property was much longer than it was wide too. The house sat fairly close to the road and the mass of the land that had been cleared I now assumed to be used as farmland for crops. There was also a ring of trees around the perimeter and a well-worn walking path adjacent to that ring of trees. Outside of a very small grove of apple trees directly next to the house, towards the front of the property, the rest of the land was an empty field full of just tall weeds. So, while I spent most of my time playing in and exploring the closest half of the property, I would never really go back in the back acres alone. The stretch of the trees to the north didn't bother me, nor did the patch of trees and thick forest to the northwest. The patch to the southwest, however, for whatever reason, just terrified me. I would never go anywhere near it alone, and even if I ventured that far with friends or adults, it made me extremely uncomfortable being near that forested sort of corner there. I occasionally still have nightmares about that patch, and for whatever reason, it just freaked me out. Closer to the house, right at the start of the path to the back acres, was a massive wood pile that I spent a good deal of my time playing in. It was easily five feet tall, if not six feet, as tall as if not taller than an adult, and I'm pretty sure larger than our house as well. It was composed of irregular shaped planks that were made by cutting the slightly rounded edges off of a tree. I'm no woodcutter by any means, nor do I know the process, but... It always hit me as odd that that much timber was just left behind like that. While the planks were too rounded and irregular in shape to be used for construction, that much I could see. It seemed like a lot of timber that could have been ground up to make particle board or something. I assumed the wood pile was the byproduct of clearing the land for farmland or whatever. Again, I'm no woodcutter, but I will mention that there were no tree trucks to be seen nor were there any stumps left in the woodpile. They obviously must have been pulled up in the clearing process, but no idea what happened to them or why they were hauled off while the irregular planks were left to rot like that. I can only assume that this mini sort of logging operation had happened a number of years before, probably even decades. The planks were extremely old, whatever the case, and weathered from the elements and very, very brittle. Even though many had sections as thick as 2x4s, they were prone to breaking under the weight of my small frame, and if I put my mind to it, I was capable of breaking them in half with my 5-10 to 10 year old strength. Now, I only bring all of this up to establish that the land was not being used for what it was intended to be. In fact, pulling it up on Google Maps, to this day, those 6 acres are still not used for farming even though nearly all of the surrounding plots now are. The house, though, was completely square. On the bottom floor, half was divided between a dining room and a front room. The other half split between a master bedroom, with remaining space divided between the kitchen and the two flights of stairs. One of which led down to an entryway, which included another flight of stairs down to the basement, and the other leading upstairs. I don't think it was ever remodeled, I think the upstairs was designed to basically be a livable attic. You went up half a flight of stairs to a small landing, then had to turn 180 degrees to another half of a flight of stairs that led up to a sort of long alcove. 
From the alcove, you had two doors on either side, one to a small bedroom and one to a slightly large L-shaped bedroom. Both bedrooms were equipped with two insanely large walk-in closet storage areas. They sloped due to the roof, but they were large enough that my older brother used one as his bedroom, so he had enough space for couches in his bedroom, proper to hang out with his friends and all that. The slightly larger bedroom, that eventually became mine, was large enough to fit two double beds in comfortably, plus a large chest of drawers and plenty of floor space to play in. Closets are scary when you're a kid, large ones even more so. Mine was large enough to fit every conceivable monster my mind could imagine in it. More than enough room for Dracula, a wolfman, the boogeyman, and plenty of room for a Bigfoot or two. My parents, they weren't much for the molly coddling and I was expected to go to bed by myself every night. Now, there was a small window on the stairway landing that allowed some light from the yard security light. But when you made that 180 turn, you were staring at a flight of stairs leading up to the pitch darkness where the next light switch could be found. I'm not too proud to admit it, but most nights I made that ascent crying in fear. I also have a large family, but my siblings were all much older and every year saw another one striking out on their own and number of those of us dwelling there getting consistently smaller. One might come back to visit or stay briefly when times were tough, but we went from like six when we first moved in to eventually two to four. My father traveled for work and my older teenager brother spent most of his time out running around. So by the time that I was nine, most nights it was just me and my mum. Putting this as politely as I can as well, my closest brother was much older than me, a high school jock and, well, kind of an idiot. Even for brothers, I can't say our relationship was good at that point. Most of our interactions went between him ignoring me to tormenting me for his own amusement. I tended to avoid him as much as possible because our time spent together was never enjoyable and usually ended with me crying and my mum screaming, leave your brother alone. Now, honestly, I still have almost no idea when this happened. I couldn't tell you what season and only slightly comfortable in guessing it was probably about the time I was eight, maybe barely after I turned nine years old. The only thing that I can say for certain is that my father was away on business at the time and while I'd shared my bedroom with my older sister for the first few years, she'd moved out and I had the bedroom to myself. Now, old houses creak. They creak and moan as they settle. Most nights I'd lay in bed terrified, listening to these sounds trying to convince myself that it wasn't a monster coming to get me. Eventually a train would pass by and the motion of it shaking the house would always put me to sleep, which is a bit weird, right? So I assume it was a night like any other. If I'd seen a scary movie or read a horror story, I would walk up the stairs in fear and lay in bed listening to every small noise, wondering what it was until a train rocked me to sleep. Barring a nightmare, I almost never woke up in the middle of the night usually sleeping until the sun came up or my mum woke me up, whichever came first. I didn't have an alarm clock and I have no memory of there ever being a clock in that room. Total stab in the dark, but sometime after midnight, I was awoken to a sound outside of my bedroom door in that little alcove that I'd mentioned before. 
I'd have to say that I was a fairly sound sleeper back then because I don't ever remember being woken up by my brother coming home or any other sound for that matter. But for whatever reason, this time I was woken up by a very slow, very long creak of the floorboards. The first immediate thought was that it was the house settling and I turned over to go back to sleep, but this time it didn't stop. There were no sound of footsteps and each creak just sort of took forever. I wasn't actually scared at first, just sort of curious, trying to figure out what it was. But then there was way more noise than the house would make. But if it was someone out there, they were moving just insanely slow. No sound of footfall. If there was someone, they'd just about have to be barefooted or in socks maybe. Just the slow sound of one floorboard groaning in protest of pressure, followed painfully slowly by another floorboard groaning in relief as pressure was removed. At that, I sat up in bed, just listening and arguing with myself. Something has to be there. There's no way anyone is there, though. It must be the house making noises. It was so slow that it wasn't even scaring me, I guess. I was just listening to it intently. It went on forever as well. Easily 20 or more minutes. Long enough that eventually I was convinced that it sounded nothing like maybe my brother creeping home late and trying not to wake anyone up or even someone breaking in and trying to steal things in the dark without making a sound. It seemed very much like the sound of something though, pacing very slowly back and forth directly in front of my door. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. The noise would very slowly move left for a while and then oh so slowly move back in the opposite direction like it had no destination in mind. Eventually I was convinced 
Okay, this is absolutely not my imagination. Someone has to be there. And I suspected my brother was trying to scare me or whatever. I went to call his name and found my voice frozen in my throat. My mother was sleeping directly below me and could absolutely hear me if I screamed. And if it was my brother pranking me, yelling would put... Yelling would definitely put an end to it. But I don't know. I, I've just never felt such terror in my life at just the thought of yelling. At that age, yelling chases everything bad away and brings your mother to your rescue. But all I felt was pure dread at the thought of releasing a scream. And then... Then I heard the sound of the doorknob moving and any doubt that I wasn't alone was immediately erased. I dove under the covers and balled myself up. Just like the creaking, the sound at the door was painfully slow, like a three-year-old trying to open a door, unable to get a good grip. I could hear it turning slightly, then stopping, an attempt at turning and then release again, just forever as well. I had a mental image of my brother in a sheet trying to scare me, but even at the time, it just seemed so weird. I mean, why was he doing it anyway? Like, I could see him pretending a few minutes, wandering in the alcove, moaning like a ghost at the top of his lungs until he was sure that I was awake, then jumping on the bed to make me cry and laugh at me. But this style of dramatics seemed unnecessary and really unlike him. After easily a dozen clumsy attempts, the doorknob was finally turned enough to open the door, just barely. I could now hear the door barely moving away from the frame, not nearly far enough for anything to fit through. And now came the sound of something pushing on the door without enough force to open it. The door would sort of creak slightly, open a bit, then fall backwards to a near-closed position over and over again. And like everything else up to this point, whatever it was, it took forever. Me shaking under the blanket the whole time, mind you. Even allowing for a child's perception of time, I can say with confidence that we were at easily the 30-minute mark at this point. Probably much, much longer, Minimum of 30 minutes from the first time that I heard the creaking of the floorboards outside of my room to the time that the door was finally pushed with enough force to finally swing completely open. And that was when the groaning started. Let me stress that this was not the high-pitched, ooh, sort of stereotypical look-at-me-pretending-to-be-a-ghost-moaning sound. This was sporadic, an elderly person trying to get out of bed sort of groaning, when the door opened, I was expecting or hoping for the grand finale of my brother running around, making ghost noises at the top of his lungs. But what I got was a continuation of the slow creeping on floorboards towards my bed, now accompanied by what I can only describe as a, a low groan. Like everything else so far as well, it was insanely stretched out and was just painful waiting for what was going to happen next. By this point, I was completely balled into the fetal position, trying my best not even to cry or breathe, terrified to make even the slightest sound. Spoiler too, this went on for hours. I'm finally aware time moves slower for kids, but this would extend until just shy of dawn, 
So even if it started as late as 3 in the morning during the summer, when nights are shortest, and I'm pretty sure it didn't happen in the summer, I don't remember feeling overheated under the blankets or anything. We're still looking at at least 2 or 3 hours minimum. In any case, the entity, or whatever it was, circles the bed in what felt like forever, and somewhere I guess about an hour in, it began touching me. I could feel a, a barely there brush that would eventually really slowly become a very light poke. At this point, I was absolutely petrified. I lay there feeling this for an hour at least, and somewhere before dawn, all of a sudden, everything just stopped. While I allow for my eventually falling asleep, I just cannot imagine sleep taking me when I was so frozen with fear and quivering violently, and I don't remember falling asleep either. Whatever it was, it just stopped. The touching and poking came at a snail's pace, and when I went five minutes without being touched, it honestly felt like it was just looming over me. I never did hear the sound of leaving, no slow departure, no creaking of floorboards, Nothing. It just stopped. I waited until the room was completely illuminated, not even feeling safe to come out from under the covers when I could tell the sun was breaking, and scrambled down the stairs as quickly as I could to tell my mom exactly what happened. I'm fairly certain that it was a Sunday morning when this happened as well. Didn't have to go to school that day and wasn't worried about watching cartoons or whatever. And started babbling to my mom about seeing a ghost. She was irritated. She didn't get a lot of days to sleep in and wasn't willing to give up her extra sleep for my imagination. She wasn't interested in hearing about it, so I caught a few hours of sleep in her bed with her at that point. For years, I'd tell all of my friends about the night that I saw a ghost, but as I got older, I realized that it was probably just my older brother playing a trick on me. Now, my brother is still a bit of a jerk, and that's just his way, I guess. When I reached adulthood, we got closer and formed a much stronger bond. He's certainly got his own way of doing things, but he tried to be a big better brother after I hit my teens than he'd ever did when I was a kid. But he still revels in the various pranks that he pulled on me. He very frequently feels a need to remind me that at one point he held all the cards, if I playfully or sometimes resentfully bring up some of the terrible things that he did, he'll gloat about it with a big grin, as if remembering better days. So, one holiday when I'd hit my 30s, I stayed late after the family dinner, and it was just the two of us drinking coffee and talking. He, as always, brought up something that he did to me when I was young, tricking me into eating dog food when I was three, I think, making me lick a 9-volt battery, tricking me into thinking on accident meant intentionally, so it was harder to snitch on him. Take your pick. It's a bit of a long list, but I realized that we'd never talked about what happened that night, so I threw out dressing up as a ghost to scare me that night, and he countered with, what? I figured that this had to be the biggest jewel in his prankster crown after all. Without a doubt, it was the most elaborate and time-intensive trick that he'd ever pulled off on me, and I figured that he'd laugh heartily and brag about how scared he got me. You know, 
and gave him details to jog his memory. But he then said, I never did that. Now, considering he remembers every terrible thing that he had done to me and when he was like 8, 10 or 12 years old, I cannot imagine something this big just slipping his mind like that. Like I said too, it just never seemed like it was his style or anything as well. He wasn't big on subtlety, I guess, but way more of the quick scare type, make you cry and laugh in your face type sort of thing, usually very low effort for a quick payout. I don't think he forgot at all. I have no reason to believe that he's lying. I'm not admitting that it's not his style at all, but I really don't think it was him in the end. Which begs the question, if it wasn't him, then what on earth happened that night? This past year, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. There was about 600 miles of trail that I hiked or camped alone. One of these sections I was alone was in Northern California, slightly north of Shasta. I got to a beautiful spot and knew that it was the best spot to set up camp. It was gorgeous too. 360 views of woods in the valley below and mountains everywhere. I could see it raining on Mount Shasta at that point. Probably my favorite campsite in North Cal. I still remember the exact mile and have some footage of the site during the daylight too. But I set up my camp and after admiring the sunset, I went to bed. I could see the outside below the vestibule when I was laying down in the tent. And as I was trying to go to sleep, I saw a white light in the valley, maybe about uh, a quarter to half a mile away, I guess. Not right near my tent or anything. I wasn't close to any towns. In the Sierra Mountains, south of the area, I would see an occasional remote cabin in the woods, so I figured that it must have just been that. But there were no access points or dirt roads up there. No forest clearings, just thick woods surrounded by mountains. I looked at the light for a bit and tried to think about what it could have been, but this was pretty remote, so I just couldn't come up with an explanation. I was tired from hiking all day though, so I didn't think too much more of it. A little later, I looked out again and noticed another light though. It was an orange light slowly circling the white light. It was also slowly morphing into a, a shape as it circled. I watched it for a long time, trying to understand what the heck I was looking at. It had a very calm sort of motion and... It was almost mesmerizing. It wasn't like a lot of other people's orb or UFO experiences where it sort of darts around and then just vanishes. I watched it for a little while and eventually I fell asleep. It started raining around midnight and I looked out of my tent and still saw both lights. One white stationary light and one orange morphing light. I woke up again at around 4am to go and pee and walked outside of my tent and it was still there, same motion. I tried to get a video but due to the distance and the darkness it looked like a, another terrible video that didn't show anything so I forgot about it. In the end I woke up at around sunrise and looked for it but 
At that point, both lights were gone. I didn't see these lights around sunset or sunrise, only ever in the darkness, and I know that these would have been visible during the sunrise and sunset too. They were pretty bright. I'm sure that there's an explanation that I can come up with eventually, but I genuinely have no clue what I was looking at, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Now, unrelated a bit, I guess, but near the area that I was walking and to the right of the trail was some thick brush at some point, maybe five to six feet tall, I would guess. This was near the Shasti Trinity Forest area, maybe one or two days after the lights of the woods. I was hiking alone, like I said, and I noticed about a hundred feet away from the brush was being sort of flattened by something, and whatever it was, it was moving very quickly. It was approaching the trail and was going to end up right next to me if I had continued my pace. I couldn't see what was flattening this brush, but whatever it was, it had to be very strong. It reminded me of something that you'd see in Jurassic Park almost. I instantly assumed that it was a bear. I still kind of think it was, but I didn't want to surprise the bear and have a close encounter or anything. So I yelled, stop. And it stopped completely. I remained still and waited to see what was going on, but it was completely still. And it was also really eerily quiet everywhere. Like total silence in the woods, which I'm not really used to. I got pretty unsettled by that and I started talking to whatever it was while I walked by. I just kept saying things like, Hey, uh, I'm going to walk by and be on my way, friend. I hope you're having a good day. I kept walking and kept looking back, but nothing moved from that point onward. Like I said, probably a bear, right? Black bears are generally like big raccoons and they don't want to interact with humans by any means. But I've encountered a few bears before and they always run away when I told them to get lost. Like they get spooked and they leg it. Whatever this was, if it was a bear, it didn't move an inch. In fact, it just sat there and seemed to watch me. Anyway, after speaking with some other hikers that I'd met... A few people said how North Cow was a little bit unsettling. The SoCal Desert is very windy, and the Sierra Mountains have tons of flowing streams. NorCal doesn't have as many streams or as much wind, so there is just a sort of silence that pervades it, which can feel ominous, especially in the dark. And really, that's my best explanation for the feeling at least. But after going through the SoCal Desert... Sierra Mountains, NorCal, Oregon, and Washington. NorCal was the only section that was definitely a little bit unnerving to me. And I did portions of each of these sections alone too. Anyway, I still have no idea what those lights were. I don't know if they're related to the sound or the thing that was in the brush that day, but part of me thinks that somehow it's all connected. Back when I was a sophomore in high school, I used to be very close friends with this girl called Kay. Kay and I met in middle school, and we instantly clicked. We would hang out after school pretty frequently too. Kay had a, a very 
turbulent childhood, I guess you could say. Deceased father, foster care, substance abuse mum, and Kay's family would house hop a lot too. Our sophomore year, Kay's family was staying with their step-aunt's ex-husband. My parents never really stressed about me hanging out with Kay because she was such a kind soul and a great influence on me. The man Kay was staying with, I'll call him R, was interesting to say the least. I remember the first incident that made me scratch my head was when we all went out to dinner with Kay and her family and R tagged along. Kay and I were sat at the table with him and he was venting to us, me 15 and Kay 16, about his dating life and showing us pictures of his Tinder bio and all the women he was chatting to. We both kind of laughed it off and engaged with him not thinking much of it. Sometimes when Kay and I hung out though, I would have us come to the basement and he had this room with a drum kit and he'd play them for us with the lights off and all that. But anyways, the strangest encounter I personally had with him was when I went to Kay's house to hang out for the day and she went to take a shower. While she was in the shower, I was sitting in her room and I just so happened to wander in and told me that he wanted to show me something cool in his room. Kay's room was on the first floor and R's room was the only room on the second floor. Being the naive girl I was, I agreed and followed him up the stairs. When he got to his room, he realized it was locked and seemed pretty annoyed and jittery because his key was apparently downstairs. Now, instead of going downstairs, R takes a credit card out of his wallet and tries to unlock the door that way. Thankfully, it didn't work and I think at that point something clicked in my brain and I decided to go back downstairs and sit in the bathroom with Kay until she was done with her shower. I'm now 23 and looking back on it, I don't honestly think there was anything cool to show me in that room and I thank the moon and the stars that he never actually got that door unlocked. I never told Kay but as we got older... I casually asked her if she had any weird encounters with him and she said no. I'm not really sure how to end this but I'm thankful that I never got to see what was beyond that door because something tells me that if I had gone in that room that day, I would have come out a very different person. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.